for a very important day, but we're here. Day late, a dollar short. Eugene here, your agent in Toronto. Hi, Candy here, your agent in Chicago. How's it going? Well, you know, I've been dealing with technology today. Have you? Yes, which means my hair is like, I've been trying to pull it out. Oh, no. My face has been red. I've been talking. Yeah. I just spent an hour talking to <laughs> talking to a tech guy uh, who, you know, he was trying his best to help me working within mm -hmm. a system that is designed to never help anyone ever <laughs> in the history of ever. Wow. And we're not going to say what that technology is, I guess. Oh, yeah. I had to buy a printer. Okay. Our printer crapped out. I had to buy a printer. So the first thing okay. is you try to find out what printer you need. Now we need a printer. Sheila operates home office. Yeah. Uh, we print pictures sometimes. We, we need a printer. A good printer. We need a printer. I don't know about okay. good. What's good? Okay. What is good? So With I beautiful, beautiful photography, pictures, colors. Eh? Well, so I wanted to find out about that. Yeah. Well, the price range of printers goes from $69 to, to $6,900. Right. I guess I would say $200 would be a good price for a uh, printer. Uh, okay. Is that how you do it? You figure out your price and then you can Well, I wouldn't buy the $70 one. No. I didn't buy the $70 one. I ended up buying the, the $150 one. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, but right. I went I went to my local electronics store and I, I thought, well, I figured out the specs that maybe I needed and I tried to yeah. compare specs. Well, nothing compares to anything else. Mm. Right. And then there's some printers that hold like a huge amount of ink, but the bloody printers cost 500 bucks. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. Right. I don't even know. Um, what I'm doing tomorrow, much less what I'm doing with my <laughs> printer ink in a year. So yes. I thought, all right, I'm not. Anyway, I found a nice person who calmed me down and uh, <laughs> and and uh, directed me to an on sale printer and said, "Well, this one's pretty good." good. I said, "All right, that's what I bought." So then I brought yeah. it home, and the instructions, the total instructions for my printer, I will show you, are <laughs> are here. <laughs> Two small pieces <laughs> Two of paper. Two small pieces of paper. And <laughs> and so you have to figure out, it should be like plug and play, but nothing is ever as... No, no. So I couldn't, anyway, I got it set up, but I couldn't get it to load paper. No. So I called, I tried to, to go to help online because yeah. sometimes you can get like someone who will like type a chat and I'm yeah. good with that. Well, yep. no, it wasn't like that. It was like... Robot it's a robot and it kept leading me to choosing my printer model number from a drop down that didn't include my <laughs> printer model number. Of course not. So, wow. You really <laughs> bought an out of print printer or something. At, at that point, at that point, my head is about to explode. Uh -huh. So finally I get a guy online and, and he wants information from me. And he's trying to get the spelling of my name. And he can't handle the spelling of my name. No, who can? And, and he's doing really, really well within <laughs> the confines of an impossible job. Yeah. And I, you know, and I said to him, you know, you're going to sense I'm a very frustrated human being. But I'm not frustrated <laughs> with you. You're trapped within a system that is making it impossible for everybody. And right. yes, I apologize for that, sir. And uh, how can I help you now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor thing. I will tell you 
That is every day of my life. <laughs> um, I'm always dealing with technology and sometimes I'm dealing with other people's technology. Husband. <clears throat> So, um, <laughs> and sometimes a boss, I don't know if you remember this, when I worked at um, one of the Italian restaurants, I worked at two Italian restaurants down the street, and one of them, uh, my boss had a phone, he has a phone, and he's not, he's so frustrated that sometimes when I came to work, he was waiting for me to get to work so I could help him on his phone. <laughs> and, you know, even on a good day, you don't even like doing that on your own phone. So helping somebody else's phone, and I would remind him, you know that this is not in my pay scale, right? I mean, I, of course I'm going to help him. He was 75, and he loved his phone. He would do Facebook with his brother in Italy. Of course I'm going to help him, but I did like to kind of rib him that this is this is not my pay scale. You know, my five bucks an hour is not covering this technology. He would call me at home to get him to help, <laughs> get me to help. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm about I'm about at your level of, of technology. I don't like it very much. I like to have it, but I don't like to work with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm not good at fussing with it. I'm not good at settings and configuration and parameters and yeah. um, and like that and robots. None of that stuff. So for the audio visual club, I am pretty good. I'm I'm pretty good at a lot of things like cameras and and I mean cameras have changed so much. And of course, there's a hundred plugs, hundred settings, and they change all the time. You have to keep up with it. I, I think I've said this before. I don't read manuals. Hey, I have a menu on my camera. Oh. I bought a, a a bridge camera okay. um, a couple of years ago. Um, it's um, a mirrorless camera. Uh, it's got a really nice uh, zoom in it. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like the camera. It's got a menu in it that <laughs> is so extensive. You could spend five hours read just yeah. reading the menu on this camera. And right. I don't know what half this stuff is even for. Right, right. No, I, I, I know I don't get the full potential of my my camera because I just can't cope with the with the most, settings. Most people do not get the full potential of their phone, and most people do not get the full potential of their desktop. Um, especially, uh, you know, Macintosh, Apple. They're so useful in so many things you could do, but most people are checking social media and their email, and maybe googling the you know a couple times a day. They're really not using all of the uh, the stuff that's available. And, and, and nor would they want to. It's, it's really designed for artists and, and publishers and stuff um, and creatives. But um, yeah, so I don't read a manual. I would go through that menu, maybe guesstimating what I would want to use. I do read a manual after I've used a camera for like a year because I, the, the manuals or anything, if I build shelves, I start building them before I look at the manual because I don't understand the manual until I've touched the product mm, and the, yes. the, the, the device. I need to know the camera inside and out before I can understand the manual. Well, plus some manuals um, are written by evil people. <laughs> <laughs> really people who are sitting well, in a basement somewhere generating evil. It's like the people writing uh, who design autocorrect evil <laughs> 14 year old adolescents that make your common boring prosaic text sound dirty <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i don't know yeah that's i mean i'm always on i'm always calling the cable company the tv company uh, i would say most of the time it's very positive and helpful 
Um, it's the worst when you get stuck with that robot on a helpline, though, because they keep giving you three things to choose from, and none of them are what you want. Yeah, you're like the guys. No, guys agent, like today's agent. today's guy was genuinely genuinely trying. He was yeah. trying to be polite, yeah. and, and I was getting so exasperated. I I must have been shouting at him. Yeah, I don't didn't mean to shout at him, but it's <laughs> like I would ask him a question, and he would ask me a question back, and yeah. it would make me so infuriated yeah. that he yeah. just wasn't getting to the, the problem but right. i know that he has a script and yeah. he's got somebody who's monitoring his calls and if right. he doesn't follow the damn script he's probably going to get shit canned or something so yeah. i'm like remember it's not the guy you're talking to no. right no. it's the entire setup around this stupid piece of technology yeah well you know i still don't have my dvd hooked up <laughs> beautiful i love it <laughs> and i i still haven't been able to figure out why can't i get the cord to work and um it's a brand new dvd because i lost the remote to the other one and now of course with the fire i lost all the remotes all the remotes <laughs> <laughs> all you can do is laugh really <laughs> <laughs> totally totally so i i was able the tv worked but just imagine, imagine, Candy, when you were you were 20, if someone <laughs> said, oh, you're going to have a bad day in several years and you're going to lose all the remotes and you're going to look at that person like, what the right. hell are you talking about? I know. What exactly. is this remote? What is a remote? I know. I know. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's so funny because I'm um, so then I had the cable guy coming because I needed some good. Um, I, I had borrowed Wi-Fi from our neighbors, which was really kind of them, but it was not a strong enough single signal for the podcast, for the phones, for the TV, right? So I was like, look, even if we don't know how long we're staying here, I asked our land our landlord and friend, can I can I get cable hooked up? Because even if I don't know, if it's just for a month or two, I, I really need it. So I went ahead and did it. And then I'm like, oh my God, the cable guy's gonna come here and I don't have a remote to get the TV working. So I went online <laughs> to the ordering machine. <laughs> and well, I had we're to a pair, it. aren't we? <laughs> yeah. I, I did get, it's great though. You can order just a remote and it worked on the TV perfectly fine. And it came like about an hour before the cable guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this cable guy was a curmudgeon. He, he when, even when he called, as soon as he phoned me, when he's he goes, I'm driving up now, do you still need me? <laughs> no, I I installed the cable perfectly fine by myself. He, I knew, oh, I'm in trouble with this guy because I was actually secretly hoping that he might hook up the DVD port. <laughs> he wouldn't take a tip or anything to do that DVD player for me. Um, and you know, he had a little trouble with me because he's the... done one before. He knows, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a thankless job. Even if someone gives you a tip, it's a thankless job. Uh, yes, yeah, he's probably not allowed to do it officially in the union or something. He's like, no. Uh, it's like, damn, I was really hoping to rope him into that. <laughs> uh, we are the technology twins, aren't we? Yeah, I've never had a problem putting the TVs together and sounds and speakers and everything. Never. It might take me two hours of swearing like the father in um, uh, Christmas Story, but I usually can do it. Anyways, so no, I reached an impasse. Uh, what else? Well, we went out. <laughs> yeah. How'd yeah. it go? I mean, oh yeah. That's a big thing, right? It's we a went. Huge hey, thing. We went out. Two years. Two yeah. years. So two over two years ago, mm -hmm. Sheila bought tickets for uh, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis coming oh. to uh, the big hockey rink there, the uh, the Scotia Bank Center. Okay. 
Um, and you know, I'm not, I don't really care for concerts and hockey rinks. I know. That's, you know, they're they're what they are. But uh, but I did want to at some point see Nick Cave and Warren Ellis because they're kind of special. Yeah. But I'd forgotten all about it because, well, we had a pandemic and it got canceled. Well, that morphed its way into a smaller show at Massey Hall, the newly renovated Massey Hall. Mm. And suddenly we had tickets and suddenly it was upon us. And we're like, "Um, uh, should we go? Yeah. Like there's people there. Yeah. There's people, there's like lots, there's going to be like 5,000 people there. Do we want to be in amongst all those people? And we're, we didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. We really wanted to go to the show. We really didn't want to get COVID. We've been really vigilant through all the pandemic so far. Mm-hmm. And we've not done anything that was risk-taking behavior. Mm-hmm. But finally, we decided we're going to double mask and we're going to go to this damn concert. Wow. So that was mm, six days ago. So oh, far, you're, we're so not you're okay? No symptoms? No symptoms yet. All right. Yay. Hopefully, hopefully that's okay. Um, but I want to tell you about the show. Yeah, please do. So first of all, Massey Hall is re- completely renovated. How's it look? Most of it looks beautiful. Like on the second floor, there's now a beautiful lounge with a bar and all the historical stuff are really nicely presented. It looks really, really good. But you know... If you're on the ground floor at the front entrance and you get tickets for the gallery, you uh-huh. know, way up in the nosebleeds, which is where our tickets were, mm-hmm. and there's those doors on the two sides with the stairwells that just go directly up to the gallery. Mm-hmm. Well, we're walking up the stairs and there's paint chipping off the wall in the staircase. They renovated <laughs> Massey Hall for two years and they <laughs> failed to paint the staircase. <laughs> It really bugged me. Yeah, yes, you would think the they would send somebody in to paint the damn staircase I before know. opening it up, right? I know. Funny. I think someone just forgot. Maybe. Maybe they forgot and they ran out of money. I don't know. That is hilarious. Maybe that was never part of the plan. They didn't think it was that bad. Uh, there's big chunks of plaster <laughs> falling out of the wall. I mean, it looks like it needs a facelift. Wow. But the rest of it looked really nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. So uh, we were way, way up top, but we could see great. Good. Um, very, very interesting show. Great show. Beautiful show. Un- highly unusual. You might say weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, back in the day, back in our wild years, mm-hmm. uh, you might have might have called uh, Nick Cave, what, a rock, a rock star? Uh, uh, yeah. A Absolutely. rock performer, maybe yeah. you you might have said he's goth, maybe early goth. Definitely. You definitely. might have. Uh, um, he was definitely like, goth. I still consider him goth. Whatever he's doing now, mm-hmm. there's been a huge shift from what he was doing then to what he's okay. doing now. Which, first of all, is really cool to see that people yes. people grow. Yes. Um, and in Nick Cave's case, I think part of the change was really because of tremendous tragedy in his family life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our our listeners may or may not know that he lost a a son in Mm -hmm. 2015. Young son, teenage son. Teenage son Mm -hmm. in an accident. Mm -hmm. And 
since then, he's come out with he and Warren Ellis, which it's always been Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, and Warren uh-huh. Ellis has been a bad seed for 30-some years. Uh-huh. Um, but now it's Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Wow. So it's he's recognizing the full collaboration, first mm-hmm. of all, which mm-hmm. is very cool, I think. And yeah. it is it is totally a collaboration in, in the most beautiful ways. Yeah. Um, there's been three albums. The first one was The Skeleton Tree mm-hmm. uh, in 2016. Then in 2019, a two album set, two record set called Ghost Team. Mm-hmm. Um, very, I very much a, a search very- for peace. Very good album, yeah. Um, and um, and now the new one called Carnage, which is which came out last year. Ooh, cool. uh, and he is only doing songs with two exceptions from um, from those three albums. Mm-hmm. He also did uh, uh, that T Rex song. Uh, is it cos- cosmic? Uh, is it cosmic dancing or something? Anyway, T-Rex too. Uh, he oh. did that and he did one, one murder ballad. Uh, everything uh, else was all brand new music. And the instrumentation might be the first clue of a, of a departure from what we might call traditional rock band instrumentation, right? Two guitars, maybe a keyboard, a bass, drums. Um, mm-hmm. Well, the... The chief instrument is Warren Ellis's synthesizer, mm-hmm. except when he's playing his violin. He also plays oh, violin. Wow. Nick Cave plays piano. Uh-huh. They have another guy roaming around in the back who goes between drums and bass and some other mysterious keyboard. And they okay. have three singers, two women and a man. Uh-huh. And two women and a man. Two women and a man. <laughs> <laughs> Two women and a man. Um, so unusual instrumentation. Um, Nick Cave goes between wandering the stage and playing piano. And in some songs, for entire songs, he would stand at the front of the stage and hold hands with members of the audience for a tremendous amount of, of the songs. Uh, it's I've never seen anything really quite like it and some of the songs there's one called hand of god which is like a chant it's just hand of god hand of god hand of god tremendously emotional moving um powerful some of the songs are like spoken word over this changing atmosphere of Warren Ellis's sound. They're not like songs in a way that we think of a bridge and a chorus and a verse. Uh, They're songs that are born of some of some kind of improvised collaboration that I think that they do in studio as Nick Cave comes up with the words Mm-hmm. Warren Ellis comes up with the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was remarkable. It was tremendously emotionally charged. Wow. At one point, some guy shouted out, because there's always, this guy is at every concert <laughs> ever in the whole history of the world. You know the guy. He's yep. the guy who said, play your hits. <laughs> uh, to which Nick Cave responded, 
this one is a hit. It just hasn't happened yet. But you'll be telling your grandkids you were here before it was a fucking oh, hit. Oh, good answer. Good, good. And then, and then he goes, we're just a fucking hit factory. <laughs> and, with, and then continued on with this really strange dirge-like uh, music that kind of envelops you. Um, it was just a beautiful music experience. Wow! I great. love the fact that he's pushed himself way beyond the musical traditions he came from. And he and Warren Ellis are inventing a new kind of music that is born out of their own very, very personal collaboration. Mm. Um, I've never really seen anything like it musically on stage. Yeah. I, I think uh, if you ever have a chance to see these two perform doing the kind of material they're doing now, uh, don't pass up the opportunity. Uh, they are really something else and uh that's pretty cool yeah yeah it was it was really a great great show and nick cave is in fantastic form as good cool. a form as he's ever been and he's he's found his music in a way that yeah. in a way that he hadn't i mean of course he was playing the music that he loved before but in a way he's found something else which is which is different and mysterious and which they're inventing as they go. And that to me is super exciting. And yeah. it was really evident that this is, this is really new. Uh -huh. Remarkable. Uh -huh. Very cool. Well, I wonder, yeah, I think he's already been in Chicago. Yeah, I think the North American tour just ended in Montreal. Yeah, I think there's so. two shows so too, in, yeah. in Montreal. Wow. Very cool. Um, speaking of music, I loved the Grammys this year. Every performer I loved. Every performer. I couldn't believe it. Oh, yeah. Even the uh, country music. I happen to really love Chris Stapleton, Marcus King, and Sturgis Simpson. Do you know them? They're no. different. Different. Well, um, Chris Stapleton got a Grammy, and he performed, and it was, it was killer. Um, and I love Sturgis Simpson, too. And Marcus King, I think you might like him. It's really good. I don't know if he's country. I don't know what he is. He's kind of a fusion between um, blues. I don't know what he is. I don't know what his genre is, actually, now that I say it. Maybe blues rock. I don't know. Um, Lady Gaga, John Baptiste, Nas, Little Nas. Everybody was so good. Um, totally enjoyed it. Oh, good. And no, no hockey games broke out? No hockey games broke out at all. Nope. So that was kind of cool. And um, yeah, I haven't been watching too much. I could now be a spokesmodel for chem sponges, or could I? Because um, I've been using my clean, I'm finished. We are officially out of the old apartment. And um, I'm still cleaning stuff that I've got to, you know, go through with my chem sponges. But the other day I was like, wow, they're getting really messy. And I double checked, am I cleaning them properly? And I found a site that said, don't wash them. Don't put them in water. Don't dry them over heat. Don't scrub them. It ruins the integrity of the sponges. And I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> I already did all that. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and don't leave them over a heat to dry, which I had been doing as well. Of course. So I thought, oh, I better not do that. And then I started thinking, this just doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense because they're never, uh, you can rinse them, but they're not, they just don't dry. 
Um, and then I went, wait a second. And I went and looked around a bit more. And it occurred to me that the site that said that might have been a site that sells them. And it occurred to me a George Carlin joke. This just in from the International House of Pancakes. Fuck waffles. <laughs> because I think they have money in the game to not, if you can clean your sponges and really take care of them, why would you, um, you'd, you wouldn't order more? So Absolutely. Anyway, you, know, you know, companies like Apple have made it very difficult for people who want to be in the business of repairing Apple products. Well, that's right. right. And we want right they to They want fix. you to just buy new. Right. We want to have a right to fix. Um, this website said shave them with a razor. I'm like, how do I shave that with a, a razor blade? It's like a long, flat sponge. Where am I? Where's the angle? Where's the leverage I'm going to get on that? So what, what works best for cleaning paintings? Uh, these these uh, vulcanized latex rubber sponges. Oh, okay. They're fantastic so far. Although you know I what I did... always use to clean to clean oil paintings. What uh, for for exhibitions? I always clean this way. And somebody showed me how to do it at Work Scene Gallery way way back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, I saw her do it, and, hmm. and I said, "Okay, I have to ask, what the heck are you doing?" And she said, <laughs> "I'm cleaning my paintings." Um, and the reason why I asked was she was cleaning her paintings with Wonder Bread. Oh, yes. White Maybe bread. somebody told me that before. Yeah. And the, yeah. What, what the white bread does is it attracts any dust. So uh -huh. you just crumble the white bread over the paintings <laughs> and it, any dust just comes off with the, the crumbs. Oh, wow. I don't know if that works with uh, smoke or anything serious like that. Right, but for, right. for general dust. dust and dirt. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I and then I was using them for, for Sheila's painting. I did use a magic sponge just to see if it helped a bit it didn't really help any extra you know uh also you've got four paintings that went through the fire too i will post pictures of them all yours came out okay all sheila's right. was already well mine would be improved by fire i'm sure that's right improved yeah exactly ah so, they're finally finished <laughs> so that was what you know i've done a little bit of that it was i sent you that picture of this says everything of our Halloween decoration being smashed by doors on the back steps. <laughs> and I will share that on Facebook. But that said it all. And last night, um, we went to a town hall meeting. I was I was the media. I signed in as media. But I sort of have a conflict of interest here. Actually, I have a major conflict of interest. Because, um, and I was going to see, the conflict of interest is that my husband works at a casino that is putting a bid to build a casino in... Um, Chicago. A casino is going to be built in downtown Chicago. They've been talking about it for 10 years and they've eliminated all the other bids and, and they've reduced the list of contenders. They're down to three different companies. And one of them is Bally's and one of them is Hard Rock. So for the last night, tonight and tomorrow night, they're having town hall down at the library um, that seats about 400 people. And last night, uh, maybe maybe it seats a bit more, but I, I looked around and I, I think it was about 375. I'd, I'd be happy, comfortable saying about 375 people were there. 175 of them were Karens. Karens. Yeah, Karens are white women that uh, complain to the manager. Ah, uh, great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, or the annoying white woman that doesn't understand anything about... Uh, everybody else or anybody. So there was tons of people who were not very sensitive to some of the issues. And so this was a great town hall meeting because you had some politicians, 
you had, this is Chicago 101, you had politicians, you had um, activists, you had condo and property owners that are in the vicinity of downtown, you had environmentalists, and you had the people who want to build a casino, and the, um, the landowners, and some other um, investors. And so they had a great, they had a panel, and people could listen, watch the presentation, and then it was open to questions. And um, we've recorded some of them that we may or may not want to put onto the back of this um, in, it, add into this podcast. I don't know. But I will tell you that it was where the theater ended and the politics began. I don't think you can tell. <laughs> it was fascinating. And it also was a little bit like the, um, like a lot of very public activities. There's so many intertextualities of issues involved. Um, so you have at one point, the questions came from the condo owners and the property owners, they're like, I live there. The crime rate goes up with casinos. I don't want it to block my view. I'm six foot tall. You said the platform's 10. I still can't see over that. It's gonna lower property um, value and we don't want it in our neighborhood, right? And that went on and on and um, everybody got a couple minutes to, to ask a question and three, um, a minute to ask a question, three minutes to answer. And then eventually a woman comes up and I've got her on record. So I think it'd be really fun to share that. And she says, well, you all are talking about views. Well, I'm down on Southside and we have empty storefronts and we, we can't get any kind of business going around here. And we want in on this casino. And, you know, frankly, we don't, we want our view too. Now we don't have a view. No, we want our view. It was great. I, I don't want to pay. I, I'm, I'm butchering what she said, but she was absolutely wonderful. She's a, a chef in town. I believe she's a Southern seafood, a Southern soul food chef. Um, and the Hard Rock Cafe had a great premise. Their premise is that they were definitely um, promising diversity of entertainment, diversity of employment. And they were offering these um, micro investments that you could invest $500 or $1,000 and get money back. So it was a really, you don't have to invest $50 million in this building. You can do 500 and get the benefits from that. Uh, it was very interesting, very difficult. Uh, there was a group of ex-cons that came in, an organized group, e e ECC, P I wrote down their thing. I got them recorded too. And they were amazing. They were like, what have you ever done for us? We should be having jobs and getting some of these contracts, but you keep hiring union people so they had to answer if you promise you're going to hire local musicians local workers how are you going to do that when there's unions and contracting involved and i thought they answered very well it'll be interesting to see what bally's does tonight if i really was doing a full story i would go tonight and tomorrow night and stakes and don't even bother because you've got other things to do um you know i have curiosity but i think it's going to be the same old same old um they're offering different things like slots and boxes it's called they're just doing a casino um, so, you know, frankly, my editorial is that if it's going to be one, there is going to be a casino, I would prefer it to be Hard Rock, not just because I have uh, a husband that works there. <laughs> well, um, who will run it and where will it go? Uh, the only thing I could say is follow the money. Yeah. Because well, there's going to be a lot of custard pie to go around and everybody is going to want a piece of that custard oh, pie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of, um, the, the math on it, a lot of the science and research on it, 
everyone was saying, the people that are against it are going, well, the crime rate goes up, the property housing goes down, and it's bad for the, it's bad for, you know, it was very moralistic. It's bad because gamblers will get addicted and, and suicide. All of those things are relevant. However, some of the studies are, the research on it is not necessarily that that's true. That's all from about 30 years ago. And it, it's coming out that maybe some of it was um, biased. I saw some, one of the most interesting papers I saw two years ago. Certainly in, there's no, no crime around casinos in the history of, say, Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, maybe there was. Yeah. Well, okay. you know, also... There, there is some correlation between crime and, and, and casinos. Um, I think we have to, I think it has to be figured out. Is that also just growth? Is it opportunity? Is it lack of, um, you know, access and, and proper um, transportation? Those things could be factors to it. Mm -hmm. um, the crime around Vegas is very funny that you say that. Um, they meant like muggings, I think, and such, right? Maybe selling drugs. And I think that's what people meant by crime. I don't think they meant um, like the whole operation. The whole operation. I don't think they, <laughs> I don't think they meant Goodfellas or Casino <laughs> or um, Bugsy Siegel. I don't think right. that's what people are meaning when they say crime. Um, and then housing prices. You know, there's a lot of people that live in Vegas, and their housing value goes up 10 percent every year. So that would counter the argument that your housing prices go down. It's kind of bullshit. And um, or it seems to be a, perhaps a biased argument. So this this guy that I saw, which I actually he almost came on the podcast last year, and I saw him again this year. He's a fantastic professor in South Korea. I don't have his name in front of me, which is pretty much my typical pattern the last month, where I'm not really prepared for the uh, podcast. But let let's suffice it to say that his presentation was it's easier for me to win arguments when you're not I prepared. Oh, right, totally. If that's what if that's what our agenda is. My agenda like is like we argue. I know. I call it discussion. Discussion, yes. And I don't want to win or lose. It's um dialogue. If oh, there's no I I you know, I do a podcast with a saint. <laughs> I'm not going to co-host is a saint. I, I'm definitely not going to argue unless I win the argument. I won't go into the argument unless I already know that I've won. Um or, or that my information is correct. How about that? Hey, uh, speaking so, of winning. Speaking yeah, of winning. Speaking of winning. I know, Winning but I want to finish time. this thought. I want to finish oh, this finish thought. Oh, finish your darn thought. Okay. The researcher went and traveled around casinos in the States, and he, he said, I kind of came in with a bias, thinking that I'm going to monitor the corruption and terribleness. He said what he found was community and fun. That cool. people met and had coffee and exercise. They would walk around a casino, and they hung out there as a, as a social center in their communities. So that's one piece of research. When, when I was when I was in Vegas, being inside the casinos wasn't the worst places I've ever been in my life. <laughs> it was close. It was yeah. really close, but it, they weren't the worst. Mm. And I absolutely love them. And the you could tell that you were getting into the classier casinos <laughs> because they had better smoke extraction systems. <laughs> Like yeah. If you go to the old ones, that it is this haze of tobacco smoke, but you don't even notice that in the in the newer ones. Because I know those, those older right. those older ones are doing better. I love the older ones on Fremont Street. I just love them. That's where I like to stay down at the Golden Nugget. I like to hang out at the uh, El Cortez. Oh, the Big D. I love those old ones and the Californian. Love them. 
Oh yeah. So you said, speaking of winning, winning time, winning time. Oh yeah. my goodness gracious! I've like caught it? up. I've I've seen like the five that have been released. Oh, there's five. I've there's... only seen four. Oh well, I'm ahead of you. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought it was over at four. Oh five is five is a great episode. Oh damn! You must I have watch, to watch it right now. As soon as finished, I'm gonna watch it. It's the spend the action. Go watch the episode. I know, right? Oh, oh yeah, cool. because I'm so Kareem glad you starts like playing. Oh. Kareem decides he's gonna play. Really? Yes. Yeah. He well, has he that has existential to. crisis. He goes to the mosque. Wow. Yeah. It's. It is. I am having such a good time with this series. It's so smart. It's Isn't so it? cleverly put together. Yes. It's funny, and <laughs> you know, it really illustrates what you see in all businesses which is the tremendous resistance to anything like a vision yeah incredible resistance to change mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people so don't want to change they don't want you to change they don't want their job to change they don't want mm-hmm. the situation to change and good god somebody better not have a vision <laughs> i know it's so great isn't everybody wonderful in it Quincy uh, yeah. Isaiah is incredible as young magic. Oh, I just love it. So much fun. And the just the crazy way they edit it and, and montage things is pretty, pretty awesome. Yes, it's it's quite sophisticated yes. in terms of the way it's put together. Uh, you might even go so far as to say that the direction and the editing in this series are so hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Really, the, the director would have had to have a really strong hand in the editing well, because how they how the story is told is so important. Yes, and also I might add that many directors sit in the editing room with the editor and 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 work together. You know, they work together because um, one person has spent time keeping up with technology, and the director might be keeping up with their narrative. Um, experience and exploration, but they work together, you know. Um, I, I'm sure there's, I just can't imagine anyone just saying here to an editor and then they leave it. I, I I can't see that. I think they have to be together. But one person is in charge of editing because they are putting it together, you know. Physically, yes. Physically, the yeah. Physical editing. Physically. And now yeah. it would be nonlinear editing and they would be, you know, cropping and pasting and cutting it on in digitally. For, um, for oh, any yeah. of our listeners who mm. maybe have just beamed down from, from their home planet yeah. and haven't heard about Winning Time, it's mm-hmm. about the the rise of the Lakers dynasty. It's mm-hmm. about basketball, specific basketball team and a specific group of individuals. Uh, Dr. Bus, who buys the team, he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a ridiculous playboy who only has the bottom button of his shirt buttoned up at any given time. It's really <laughs> hilarious and adorable. Yes. Um, it's, it's got magic, young Magic Johnson as a rookie. It's got the, the uh, experienced but jaded superstar Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, it has Sally Field as Dr. Buss's oh, isn't, mom. Isn't she one? I didn't want to tell you Sally Field was in. I want you to be surprised. Oh, isn't what she a great? treat. What a treat. Well, of course, oh, I'd, watch my her, God. I'd watch her in anything. I know who she really is delightful. And you know who she reminds me of? My Oma. She's exactly like her with the clothing and the hair. She's so much like my grandmother. It's ridiculous. 
I also learned something. Yeah. Um, now maybe it may not be until the fifth episode, uh, but oh, when they finally when they like finally gather up the uh, the cheerleading crew, uh-huh. um, we meet one of the head cheerleaders that the, the daughter goes to recruit. And yeah. it's like a of high school cheerleader. Paula Abdul. Paula Abdul. It Paula Abdul. It's like, I had no idea. I had no idea. I, I just thought she was <laughs> have, a judge on, on singing contests. That, that has to be on episode five because I haven't seen it. But fuck me, I know my Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> I lived the dream with those guys for a long time. Yeah. I, at first, I love Adrian Brody. At first, I wasn't crazy about him as Pat Riley. Um, I was like, Ugh, but he's, he's good. I, I care about his storyline, you know, but I didn't physically kind of buy him at first, but I, 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 I let it go and, and went with it. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's, 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 such it's a, a lot of stories. It's a story it's a of the lot coach. Of stories. Yes. Um, it's a story of, of the, uh, the aging star versus the rookie. Uh, yeah. It's a story of, a family that buys a team. Um, mm-hmm. It's a story of a city. It's mm-hmm. a story of the times. And it's a story of AIDS. And it's a story of AIDS, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, a story so- of, of, you know, that, that raucous, crazy sexual um, time period in the, in the 60s that led into the 70s and 80s. It's just insane. And the cocaine, I mean, it's got it all. It's crazy. Yeah. You know what else I would recommend? Have you ever seen Magic and Bird, Courtship of Rivals? No. It's a delightful documentary. If you can track it down and anyone watching this, it's such a good documentary because in, in college years, Magic and Larry Bird were enemies on the court and they had a huge competition between each other. And um, and it, it just turns out really, it's a beautiful little documentary that complements this winning time so well. I had watched it a couple of years ago. Um, and as soon as this one started, I, I kept thinking about the courtship of rivals. I do recommend it. A lot of fun. And the music is incredible. Is the soundtrack not awesome? The soundtrack is great. Oh my God. It is all great. It really is. I went nuts. I went nuts. And also on the how soundtrack. they use the music is really very effective. Very much so. Let me see if I could find this. I don't, I'm afraid to play something. Um, there's a, in the first episode, there's Kareem is lying on a couch with headphones on and they've got the music blaring. And I was like, who the hell is this band? So I had to track it down. It's TBA. Um, and it was really hard to find, but I finally found them on YouTube. And um, I was kind of intrigued by this, this band. So I, I, I started listening to them last week. It's kind of a crazy jazz LA sound. Um, I, I'll definitely... Um, I'll definitely send it to you. Maybe you can add it to this uh, episode. <laughs> well, sure. Well, you have all these things to add to the episode. I, um, Maybe I, I, could just send, I could just send you this and you can I know, you're it. right. You're right. I just feel like I'm so tired. I don't know if I can do it. Maybe I should do it. I'll try, okay? It doesn't I'll matter. I could do it. It's all I can good. change to admin right now. It's all right. Um, what else have we got here? Um, so I went to that crazy thing. Oh, you know what else? Speaking of really beautifully edited documentaries... I am loving the Andy Warhol Diaries. I've, I'm you? only about three and a half, half episodes oh, into it. You're way ahead of us. We have to get back to it. Okay. We, all right. All right. Well, I won't it. say too much about it, but I'm really enjoying it. Because we had other, other pressing things. Like we, 
we watched the 1990 film Blue Steel. Oh, yeah, that's a classic. That is so <laughs> funny, Because we just needed that. We just needed something that wasn't a documentary that was just, just a, you know, a thriller. And well, it's this, a thriller. It's, it's cheesy. It's just at the tail end of the 80s. So it's still got that 80s kind of cheesiness in it. It does and have yet, the cheesiness. And it has yep. Jamie Lee Curtis dressed as a yep. cop. I, I'm yep. there. I'm so there with your little impish grin. I know. I'd I know. see her at anything. I know. How many times have we watched Jamie Lee Curtis with her shirt off? <laughs> you and I, I, know, I really. had like, remember Grandview USA? We were like, okay, we'll just have to see Jamie Lee Curtis in every movie. Do you remember that one with Kurt yeah. Russell? Yeah. Yeah, that was great. We saw that in the theaters. Um, I love that little movie. It's so cute. Um, so who else is in that? Ron Silver, Clancy Brown, Richard Jenkins. I don't remember that. That's funny. And it's directed by one of my very favorite directors, Catherine Bigelow. What else I did love she her. direct? Oh, she did The Loveless, which I highly recommend. The first time I, when I lived in on Jarvis, 414 Jarvis, I don't know if you remember that apartment. It's well, one of my very all well. time. Wow. It was one of my all time favorite apartments, rivaled only by our last apartment that we left, replaced by today where I'm sitting. Well, so, it was certainly the uh, most colorful neighborhood that, <laughs> that you lived in. Because it really I, was. I think on the one corner of, of the street that the little cross Caitlin. street, Caitlin, there was yeah. the, the, the female hookers, sex workers, and then go down like 150 <laughs> feet and you've got the trans hookers. I know. And then wonderful. there was that, that wonderful place called the Queen's Dairy where all the queens went. That's right. And you think, did they do that on purpose? Maybe. Of course. Well, I don't know. I'm yeah. sure that the queens oh. found the Queen's Dairy for sure. <laughs> Well, you know, my daughter was pretty young back then, and I never really worried about us walking around the streets because I oh, they never, none of the sex workers talked to me, but they always talked to her. And, um, you know, she was really, really cute. And they were always like, oh, look at your little toy or dolly. She was, you know, talking. And I remember talking to her about the um, trans sex workers, um, you know, and kind of telling her that some people sell their bodies and, um, you know, they negotiate that. And she was really young. I mean, I probably had my terrible here and taught my kid too much stuff. But um, I kind of loved it because there was a sense of security. Um, there was always somebody out in the street and, and, and everyone knew who we were. And Jarvis apartments were just classic neighbors in my very building. And I think a, a lot of different um, variety of people live there. Oh, so anyway, I painted that apartment. I really decorated it to the, to the max. And I had um, the movie channel. I, it was the first time that there was pretty early on in Canada where they had these four movie channels and I would basically make paintings and just keep that movie channel on all day. I cook supper. I, you know, I just was like, Oh my God, movies 24 seven. I would just, if I wasn't watching, um, you know, a talk show or one of my other shows or moonlighting or something, I would have um, uh, the movie channel on and this movie came on and it's a bunch of bikers going into a town. It's kind of a version of the wild one with uh, Marlon Brando. And I was like, what the hell? This movie is so incredible. And I was like, who made it? And, and you know, you can't look anything up. It was Catherine Bigelow. You're I'm writing notes, trying to figure out who's in there. Willem Dafoe was in it. And that's the first time I ever saw him. And then I guess probably, and I was like, this is so fantastic. And then she had another movie I loved that was called Near Dark. And it's one of the best vampire movies ever. And um, there's blood transfusions that, and that's everything. That's not an oxymoron. Yeah, you're right, because they're all amazing. 
<laughs> I love vampire movies. Uh, love them. So, well, uh, hey, speaking of moonlighting, yeah. um, some really sad news in the entertainment business, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. really sad that Bruce Willis is really being <sighs> forced by his health to retire. I know. You know, I mean, it, it's also just a sad story. Here's somebody who's always been, you think about this kind of metaphorically, he's always been a gift of the gab. He's had that lively repartee, definitely on Moonlighting, definitely in some of his comedies. Um, he's always been a joker. He used to be a singer in a band. And um, yeah, very sad. that Because what he has compromises your your understanding of speech or ability to speak. Ability to speak, yes. And of course, what's his business and the, the speaking yep. business. Yeah, so. it's almost the opposite of Val Kilmer. Yes. Now I understand that Val Kilmer can now speak with his voice wow. using using some kind of AI. Wow. He can now sound like Val Kilmer, which that's is insane. very cool. I think very that's, cool. that's really fantastic. It if he really can, is. Um, Afford it. <laughs> yeah, and and just having to have that kind of weirdness around your your attempting mm -hmm. to speak it's yes. really disarming and weird and and hard yes. for everybody. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, yeah, that was really sad news. I'm a, such a lover of Bruce Willis. It's given me a lot of happiness, and you know, it's kind of amazing to see. I didn't know how many people loved Bruce Willis until you know on Facebook, everyone's um, saying something about it. You know. A lot of memes, a lot of sharing, video clips and stuff. Well, I mean, he's been in a movie. lot of movies, like a yeah, lot of movies. So you're bound to have seen something that, that you've enjoyed that he's been in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. My two favorite probably are obviously Pulp Fiction and 12 Monkeys. I love those movies. Oh, 12, 12 Monkeys. Monkeys. I forgot so about that. That's a lovely film. Yeah. 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 That's a remake That's, of a French film. It's very Matrix-like too, isn't it? Absolutely, which is funny you should say that. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but Le Jeté, which is based on, is by Chris Marker, and Chris Marker made a movie that I'm obsessed with. I've got it right 10 feet away. I can't play it, but I do have it on DVD. <laughs> but if you had a DVD player and a remote, you <laughs> could play it. <laughs> I could watch it. And uh, Sam Soleil, two of my very lifetime favorite movies by Chris Marker, French films, but Sam Soleil, I really feel I can't I can't even almost explain it. Inspired the Matrix. It's so connected to me, and definitely Le Jeté. This idea of of time travel and memory and reality. Um, I I do feel that they are related. I think there's even something in the voiceover in Sans Soleil that they talk about a matrix. It's very strange. Oh, yeah. That kind of blew my mind. Yeah. <sighs> what else? Um, oh, well. I'm trying to think of, um, oh, well, I don't have very much for a comfort food diner and I might've already talked about it anyway, but you have to make this ranch. Do you like ranch dip? Is it a texture thing for you? Do you not care? Um, I'm not a fan of, of the ranch. All I'm not right. a big ranch fan, right. really. To me, right. it just tastes like Big Mac <laughs> sauce. Oh, well, this is really good recipe with fresh chives, dried dill, Mayonnaise, yogurt, no, mayonnaise, sour cream, and buttermilk. Mm. A little bit of lemon juice, and it's so good. Anyway, I made that today. I'm very proud of myself because it's the first time I kind of made something in a month, really, that I just took some time to do that was relaxing in the kitchen, you know? 
<sighs> feels good. I am so exhausted too. I'm beyond exhausted. I can't believe we're doing the podcast today. Uh, I was like about three hours ago. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't have anything to talk about. I'm not even going to do this. Um, what else? What else? Uh, you know, I've mentioned in the past, there's a, a couple of um, vloggers yep. that, uh, that I've been following for a couple of years now uh, yeah. who were living in, in Vietnam. Uh, Max McFarlane is one of them and Chris Lewis is another of them. Okay. Um, there's another guy, Phuc Map, who is that I, I follow, who is still in Vietnam. But um, Max McFarlane and Chris Lewis both went back to America. Uh -huh. um, and I think they went back in part to get vaccinations uh, <laughs> okay. because they're more easily available. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, but also see family. I don't know why I'm and, laughing with that. <laughs> um, and uh, they wanted to travel. I mean, it's you know we're 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 thinking in the pandemic. The last thing that we want to do is is get on a plane and and travel places because right. it it increases risk of. Yeah. Of getting COVID. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, for these guys, they flew back to America. Then um, they went to Machu Picchu together. Oh. So these are two guys who lived in different parts of Vietnam, but yeah. they collaborated. Yeah. They okay. went to Machu Picchu together to Peru. They, um, they went to Pakistan. And then Chris Lewis went to India and to Nepal. And then back to Pakistan and uh, Max McFarlane went to Istanbul and through Turkey and um, wow. back to Pakistan. And now the two of them have gone home. They're back in Vietnam. Oh. So I had no idea they were going to be back in Vietnam, but I watched the first video they each produced their uh -huh. first meal back in, uh, in Saigon, Vietnam, oh. Ho Chi Minh city. So if uh, for people who are interested in, um, food vlogging and travel vlogging mm -hmm. these guys are really pretty top rate and uh you can search max mcfarlane um who also has a, a channel called the daily max and chris lewis that's okay. c-h-r-i-s lewis and i'm going to recommend them both pretty highly sometimes their videos about they're in their travels they just interact with people there's their videos about nothing in a way, but right. there are also videos about uh, the culture they're in and the life that people are, are living. And um, it's pretty interesting because they both have a, a, a knack for languages. So uh, Chris Lewis, for instance, and he's an American kid in his twenties, well living in Vietnam and becoming proficient in Vietnamese, learned um, Hindu and Verdu, uh, Hindu and mm -hmm. Urdu. Mm. Excuse me. So well, it's amazing. Um, so in going to Pakistan, he's speaking in Urdu to all these people in Pakistan, and it really changes how you interact with people when you're speaking to them, making an effort to speak in their language. Yeah. Uh, I have so much respect for that. I wish I had the kind of knack for language that these guys have. Mm -hmm. They seem to pick it up so naturally. Mm -hmm. But also they're young. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're, I guess it's that time. I know I, I, I once you get, isn't it easier after you get a couple of languages? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know either. I but don't know. I music, am, music is easier once you have a couple of instruments. Okay, I am intrigued by people who can speak so many languages. It's, it's so cool. So cool. Um, hey, you know, we have an email. 
Yes, we do. Who wants uh, to read it? Um, I can read it. I have it oh, up, great. I think. Okay, good. I think I have it up. Yes, I do. It's from uh, a longtime listener, uh, Vox. Mm -hmm. And he writes to us, greetings, agents. Enjoyed the latest podcast. And as I was mentioned, feel <laughs> I should let you know that I'm still alive and listening. <laughs> First, with the slap, what you did not mention, and I think it is reasonably important, is that Smith's initial reaction to the G.I. Jane joke was an amused smile, almost yes. a chuckle. His mm -hmm. wife, who was in the same shot, was clearly not amused. I believe it, believe it was seeing Jada's reaction that triggered Smith. Mm -hmm. That he was not arrested on the spot for battery speaks to the unevenness of how the law gets applied. A complaint from Rock was not needed. The police had all the evidence they would ever need to get a conviction. And Smith, getting a standing ovation for winning Best Actor, made me think, I'm glad I don't watch movies anymore. <laughs> what a spineless lot they were. Mm -hmm. Moving on, I must be getting very old in my memory shot, for I do not recall still being a basketball fan in my 30s. <laughs> I had pretty much given up on this sport in my teenage years. Yeah, that's funny that I remember that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's vexing Vox that, that he, because when um, you you knew him in the city, um, yeah. he wasn't watching basketball. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I must have a missed memory. Um, or else maybe you had some discussion about. Yeah. Um, maybe I was just so into it that he. You know, maybe he watched a couple games and I blew it out of proportion. Anyway, that's funny. So he continues on smoking yeah. on submarines was permitted right up until the last day of 2010. Who knew, huh? No, protecting others know. on board from secondhand smoke was the reason giving given for ending the practice. <laughs> As for the dog being on board right up until smoking was banned and perhaps beyond with the permission of the commanding officer Hackman in the movie pets were allowed. Apparently, during World War II, dogs were commonly found on U.S. subs. And finally, one can exit a submerged submarine. <laughs> there is a chamber into which the diver enters that is sealed behind him once inside. After that, the chamber is flooded and then the outer hatch is open. I believe the process can be used at depths up to 600 feet. Hmm. Pretty cool. I love it that he knows that. And he goes on, just my opinion, based on nothing more substantial than my own biases, but Yellow Submarine was not a good submarine movie. <laughs> okay, touche. Touche. That is so good. He really put some thought into that. I love it. Yes. And he finishes off with, Gene Hackman was a great actor. Too bad he is no longer active. He had no mustache in Mississippi Burning, Bonnie and Clyde, Enemy of the State, or in The Quick and the Dead, maybe others too. Mm -hmm. But still, I think of him as a mustachioed guy. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he wrote about the, that stuff. And uh, um, you're right, they could, I don't think anyone wanted to get involved in a legal tanglement with Will Smith at the Oscars on that thing. We found out later after we recorded last week that he was asked to leave the Academy Awards and he refused. They were not going to put hands on him and take him out of there. That's not going to happen. So we now found Although out. Although they might have, they might have not given him 
given him the Oscar. They might not have no, let him up on stage. I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't. I, I don't think so. I don't think anybody wants to block or touch him. Him. I think that that was. I think it was too much to deal with. And the reason people stood was because it was the first black man. Oh, okay. Maybe. Um, although I thought Sidney Poitier might have got an Oscar. So I think it, you know, I, I did not like the standing either. I didn't care if people clapped, but it was disturbing. Uh, Jim Carrey said it was spineless too. And a lot of people on my um, Facebook fa face, I just want to kind of address like that, you know, for me, why it's interesting. A lot of people were like, who cares? Who cares? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons why we care. Um, and Denzel Washington has said, who are we to condemn what Chris Rock said? Well, I understand that moralistically, and I love Denzel Washington to bits. And I think that maybe spiritually he's, he is trying to say, who are we to condemn? Um, and I'm, I understand that that's probably a Christian um, philosophy. But I think it's not just that. I think what it is, I have two answers I want to say about the condemning part. One is that the reason people are upset is because every day we ride the subway, we ride the bus, we have neighbors that are, are selfish, we have bosses that are um, bad, we have passive aggressive coworkers and family, and we are raised to follow decorum and we have to do it. We are supposed to be polite and put that to the side. I, another Christian concept would be turn the other cheek. But I just think it's more than that. It's really about letting things go and moving on, even if you hate it. And so then when we see somebody who blows that and doesn't hold their decorum in the workplace, because that was a work event, um, and we have to go to work and we're not allowed to slap people at work, um, you know, it pisses us off. We're pissed off about it. Um, that's on one way. So that's one reason why we care. Um, the other thing is that we practice manners every day. Have you ever been at a family? I've been at some families and their kids are like, give me the salt, give me some potatoes. And, um, I, you know, families, when they're together, they don't have to be polite, please, thank you. They can be as casual as they want. But I remember Miss Manners, who used to write um, a, a news thing on uh, manners. Her argument was the reason we practice manners every day isn't just to be polite to our parents and our family, which is a nice thing to do anyway, but it's also because under highly emotional situations, we've already put the practice in. So if it's a wedding or a funeral, we're able to go automatically into our, our manners because we've been practicing, just like a, a musician might practice or an artist might practice, um, that those manners under push to the limits in emotional settings, um, they kick in and we don't break decorum. Uh, the other thing I want to say about condemning somebody and, and, and violence in a fight is, you know, I, we had a big barbecue for unhoused persons a couple of years ago where we got some donations, clothes, food. We had, you know, all kinds of hamburgers and hot dogs and sausages. Uh, we had some activities for kids and we took over a big park. We got a permission from the city to have this barbecue and we had a lot of volunteers. And at one point, two of the guys, two of the homeless guys got in a fight and they threw a bike at one another and they kind of scrapped it out and everything. And some of the volunteers were like, they were never going to volunteer again. They were so outraged that this would happen. And they were like, oh, this, see these people, these people, they, they fight and punch. And I was like, you know what, dude? I don't know where you're getting that, that these that homeless people are going to fight more than other people. Um, I remember at the college pub, 
two guys would get into a fight over a girl or something like that. And they're supposedly educated and studying university and they got their passions and they got in a fight and it's, you don't like it. It's not right, but it does happen. It certainly isn't like, Oh, well, I'll never, you know, whatever. So there's a part about the condemning part. I don't like that sort of touches on that. What was was strange though, Candy, is that in, in this situation, in this particular yeah. workplace, um, he was not just in front of his co-workers. Mm-hmm. He was also in front of a larger group of people that numbered in the millions, millions on yeah. television yep. who all watched him behave like yep. an ass. Yes. And um, he's going to be regretting that for a really long time because he wasn't able to uh, just sit on it and bite his tongue and deal with it in a different way, a better way later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it really doesn't yeah. matter what the Academy does to him. He's got to live with himself after making an ass of himself in yeah. front of the whole world. Yeah. yeah Even if I you guess... didn't see the the show, like I had shut it off. Mm-hmm. Well, I certainly have seen the, the slap a, a couple of dozen times, right? right? Because right. it's flown around yeah. uh, the interwebs. Well, yeah, and I, I, I agree. And I, I don't have much like you, I don't have much more to really say. I'm still going to wonder how it's going to play out. Will he, I don't think he's going to lose his Academy Award, but, you know, he's resigned from the Academy. They were going to kick him out probably anyway. What does that mean? And like, what, what, what I don't know. He, what I know. is your membership to this Academy know. actually? Does that have anything to do with getting work? probably not well it used to it used to be i think it used to be associated with work but i think he's still going to have a job he's made billions of dollars for people so i think he's still going to have work i don't think that's that's the thing right as you know he's in a he's in a movie it's going to be a draw yeah yeah so the final thing i think and i don't know i'm sure you remember this and we didn't think of it last week i i didn't remember at all but of course in the office ricky gervais right or was it from kenny Uh, Ricky Gervais shared his meme of a clip from him in the office or one of his, I'm confused now. I think it's the office, but he's walking around a desk at the table, right? It's a working space. And he goes, well, she's got alopecia, not a happy home life. And he was so funny that he posted that clip the day after, right? (laughs) (laughs) He didn't put it to anybody in particular, but well, she has alopecia, not a happy home life. And I think that he was talking about a married couple. So I think he gets the final word. I think he was pretty, I thought that was so funny. I watched it about a thousand times last <laughs> week. <laughs> Not a happy home life. Yeah. Well, one thing about Ricky Gervais is that if there's anyone who can point to our weaknesses mm-hmm. and make it hilarious, mm-hmm. uh, he does it. He sure does. He sure does. <sighs> I can't think of anything else I've watched or read. I'm, I'm the boring one because <laughs> I'm only today did I make some food. <laughs> the first well, time in a long time. I understand that. Yeah. Uh, we've had uh, we've had actually a, a challenging week. Um, one of our, our Newfoundland dogs, George, has a mast cell tumor on his back. Oh. Um, Have which, they tested it yet? Uh, yeah, they said it's a low-grade tumor. And, okay. and so he... On Friday, we're taking him for um, an x-ray and blood work, which is really due diligence, right? Just making sure that, um, I guess it hasn't spread all over him. 
And um, then with a low grade tumor, what they do is they cut it out. So we're going to schedule him for surgery. Um, He's an older dog. He's nine, which for a Newfoundland is quite an old dog, but apparently the, the surgery is it's 40 minutes. It's not (sighs) a hugely big deal. And it's, it's usually with the low grade tumors, they cut it out and he's good to go. So we're hoping that that's the, uh, that's the case. Um, but you know, I mean, we'll see when, when we see, cause he is, he is an older dog. So, uh, everything will be a little bit more difficult. Uh, but that's been, uh, you know, a challenge for us this week and we're going to see if we mm-hmm. can get George fixed up as quick as mm-hmm. we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Okay, I'm going to do a fix it right now. Okay. Sydney Poitier did get a, a an Oscar. Okay. And I'm going to just there's a few people. Of course, Denzel Washington got an Oscar too. I don't know what's wrong with me. What for? Um, which, Patty, which movie? Uh, was it 2017? What would that be? I got a, I got a scooch it. I just have a list here. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It was for Roman Israel. I don't know what part that was. And Chadwick Bosman got it for um, Levi Green, Levi Green. Uh, let's see. Okay, here we go. 1958, um, Noah Cullen, um, Homer Smith. These are supporting actors, I think. Oh no, best actor in the leading role. Oh, so there's there's a number. Um, oh, they, they might be not acting roles. They might be um, Denzel Washington got it in 92 for Malcolm X. I also thought he got it for Glory, but I, I don't know. Maybe not. Shawshank Redemption. Training Day is what uh, Denzel also got it for Training Day. Really? Yeah. And Jamie Foxx for Ray Charles. See, that was an okay movie, but I didn't think it was a great movie. I'll have to watch Which it again. One? Training Day. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I love the director, too. I can't remember the name right now, but I do love them. Oh, I'll have to do I a rewatch on that one. Alonzo Harris? Oh, no, that's who he's playing. Yeah, you have to do a rewatch. It's a good movie. <laughs> or I could be wrong. Morgan Freeman for Invictus. Oh, Invictus was an awful movie. I didn't see it. Oh, my God. Is this winners? Is this nominations or winners? I don't know, but I'm 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 just calling BS on that. Invictus, nobody <laughs> deserves an award for being in that. I think maybe movie. this is nom- I might have a list that's nominations. Sorry, sorry. So you're gonna have to do a fix it on your fix it, Ms. On Vinks. my fix it. Come on. Yeah, get with the I, program. I know. Why am I having such a hard time here? Um. Oh, Cuba Gooding Jr. for supporting role and uh, Jerry Maguire, Lou Gossett Jr. 1982, Denzel Washington, Russell Williams. So basically, oh, um, our, our listeners can take your comment at uh, I know. with a grain of salt. Just ignore me. Yeah, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> and if you wanna, if you wanna write to us about how we ramble on like this, you can do so at uh, at the agency podcast at gmail. I feel like such a failure. Um, or yeah. if you don't enjoy it, you can write complaints at hotmail.ca. Yes. I'm going to write a letter of complaint about myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love you, Eugene. And I guess thanks for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it.
We'll be back at you next week. Peace. <laughs> you have the button now. Do I? Yeah, you took the button back. What button? Oh, no, I have the button. The recording button. You know what I'm about to tell you, don't you, Norman?